This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. Joey Cassio joins me again on this episode to discuss the U.S. U-17's 0-0 result to Japan in the second group stage game of the 2019 U-17 World Cup in Brazil. Joey and I both agreed that it was good to get a tie against Japan, but we also agreed that we were lucky to escape without allowing any goals. Japan was the superior team from start to finish, and they displayed what proper possession-based soccer should look like. And by that, I mean not just passing the ball across the back line, but patiently probing in the attacking half of the field. I have no problem admitting that Japan is fun to watch. I've have, I've enjoyed watching their youth teams um, for many years. I've enjoyed watching their women's teams for many years now. And I think we can all agree that they are probably a force to be reckoned with in the future. Uh, during this episode, Joey and I talk about a, another dull performance, attacking performance from the United States. And we question Wiki's ability to get more out of the team that he chose. We also talked about the lack of effective wing play for the second game in a row, and I brought up a little uh, side story about how Sean Securius used Uli previously against Japan, and if you, I think if you YouTube or Google or whatever, uh, get out there on the interweb, you can find some of the highlights of Uli and how he shredded the Japan back line when he played against them at the U16 international level. Uh, that was actually in Japan, I believe. Um, yeah. Uh, we also talked about why the U.S. stopped pressing when Pepe went out of the game and when Reina came in. It was that specific moment that kind of changed the way that the U.S. was pressing. Pepe, full of energy in the first half. Uh, press, 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 press. Reina comes in. No problem. Chills. Uh, and we talked a little bit about how Japan took advantage of that and created, um, actually didn't create much of anything at all. Uh, they just went further up the field with their possession because nobody was pressing them in their, in their half of the field. So, uh, yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about that. Spent a lot of time talking about a lot of things. Uh, we probably missed a couple things. Uh, if you feel like we missed anything, or if you feel like you want to talk about something else that we, uh, that we didn't cover, or you want to keep the conversation going, let us know. Uh, let us know how you felt about the game too. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at that Croatian guy. You can find me there. Uh, Joey is at Casio underscore FG. That's at C-A-S-C-I-O underscore FG. Or if you want, you can head to the comment section that is available on 343coaching.com to share your thoughts. You can uh, find this episode and go to town. That's also where you can find over 200 educational articles, over 200 podcasts, a free seven-week coaching course, and our premium coaching membership program. The premium education program uses proven methods to accelerate your development and teaches you how to start coaching possession-based soccer. So if you are an ambitious coach and if you want to coach possession-based soccer, this is the program that you need to check out. Once again, all of that can be found at 343coaching.com. Com. All right, here we go. 
Hope you enjoy this conversation between me and my good friend, Joey Cassio. What's up, man? Just getting set up. One second. I need to hit record. All right. Well, good. Uh, I need a pen. Never mind. All good. Got everything. What's up, Joey? Not much, man. I was able to watch the game when I got home from training last night. What, what's your initial reaction? What's your first thought? The word that comes to mind is blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can agree with that. It's just whatever uninspiring for sure yeah man um all right where do you want to start um do you want to do like kind of play-by-play type stuff like start at minute one and go through it or do you just want to give some general thoughts and and go from there yeah I'll, i'll share some some general thoughts on sort of the way that we were set up um watching the game in the first half especially, you know, Japan were set up defensively uh, with a, a line of two against uh, our back line or our, our center backs kind of dropped off a little bit, not not really aggressive with their pressing. And then they had a midfield line of four players and then a back line of four players. And the way that we were set up, like our positioning was poor. It, it didn't put us in any sort of position to create numerical superiority, kind of like we talked about on uh, the other day. But yeah, the one thing I noticed was in the midfield, you had Saldana and Leva playing like deeper midfielders. So they were playing uh, in front of Japan's midfield line of four. So every time that, well, not every time, but most of the time that they collected the ball, uh, you know, they, they were they had a line of four midfielders from Japan in front of them and it, and it made it hard for them to, to play passes forward into Busio or, or Pepe. And, uh, they were playing a lot of safe passes, you know, backwards or to the outside backs. A few times they tried to play long diagonals. In my opinion, I think that, uh, we should have been more aggressive with our, our positioning and tried to get, Japan to drop a little bit deeper. So one thing that I was thinking was Leva positions himself higher, almost like playing two attacking mids and then Saldana is the holding mid. And then that pushes the midfield line for Japan back a little bit deeper potentially. And if they don't, well, now you have two attacking mids in behind Japan's midfield line of four. And if you're able to find them, you you know you're penetrating you're going forward you're breaking lines but just with Busio the only midfielder beyond that midfield line of four Saldana and Leva rarely found him and uh, it, it was part of the reason why we we couldn't really get any sort of attack going uh I did also notice Dobelair came inside uh, a couple times um in behind Japan's midfield line of four and not a bad idea. It, it created numerical superiority in the midfield. But the problem was, you know, when he received it on the turn and trying to go forward, he needed Scali to be immediately coming around him, providing the width to be able to continue the move forward. And the timing just, just wasn't there. 
and Bello. Yeah, I, I, for me, I, I don't think he really has a good understanding of, um, you know, moving forward at the correct times, where to position himself to be dangerous. Like, I, I thought Armour wasn't great in the first game, but I thought Armour was far better than Bello. On on those two notes, um, with Dobler and Scally working together on the right side, I didn't see them really have any type of of synchronized or, or any any type of connection until the forty fifth minute, so the, the the very end of the of the second half. And I wrote down a note that Dobler received a ball, he, just like you mentioned, he kind of had floated inside a little bit and gave Scally. Uh, the the channel to kind of just do whatever he wanted and then he carried the ball forward a little bit he received it at midfield like just just to the right side of the of the center circle received it turn took a couple uh, aggressive touches and then played a ball between uh two japanese players one was to the inside one was a little bit to the outside so kind of like split two japanese players and the ball went down the line to scally but it's a ball that's going to 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 Scally, and that, he's not dangerous. It's not going to happen. Nothing, nothing's going to happen there. Earlier in the in the first half, same, a similar thing happened where Scally uh, received it from somebody else. I think got the ball going forward, but he he received the ball going forward towards the corner flag, and, and so it's like our outside back is dribbling towards the corner flag. What that's not dangerous at all. And and both times he ended up losing it and then fouling in the corner. Uh, so yeah, that, that was kind of like the end of those plays. And then I highlighted one on Twitter just a little bit ago of Jason receiving a ball, uh, on the left wing, just, just outside or just maybe 10 yards outside of the penalty penalty area. Um, kind of like at a diagonal from outside the penalty area and brings the ball down. No problem. He's by himself when he receives the ball, uh, and no, no look at or no, no attempt to take on the, the Japanese defender that was in front of him. I think another defender joined, but okay, you know, one versus two, like you have acres of space. Why not try it? No, no thought of doing that. But the, the more interesting part to me at, at that moment was Bella was nowhere in the frame. He, he, you know, the ball traveled 50 yards across the field and Bella was nowhere to be seen in, in the frame. Until Jason played the ball to Busio, Busio loses it in the corner, and then you see Bello kind of trotting in, but he's making like a run to the inside, like to the wrong spot. Like, no, dude, you should have been making a run overlapping Jason. And so, you know, those those two moments kind of like sum up how Bello and and Scally play. It's like it's it's very very ineffective. It's very thoughtless. It's very uh, um, non impactful. It's non threatening. It's you know very uh, yeah, just I don't know, uninspiring again is kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I think Scally got forward a little bit more than Bello did. But, but it's Scally. Like he's not threatening. Yeah, his his quality, his individual quality isn't great. There were there were multiple times where I saw him receiving the ball under pressure and you know, his first touch is going towards the defend the defender and his body language he just looks like like oh shit, I'm in trouble, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's what his body language looks like. And in those moments, it, in my opinion, at this level, you know, every player on the field, uh, maybe besides the goalkeeper, they should be able to get out of situations where they're under pressure. If they have to make a little bit of space for themselves, they should have the quality to do so. Uh, and there were multiple players that I think didn't have that. Scali was one of them that definitely stood out. 
the few times that he did receive the ball going forward, um, yeah, it was kind of like maybe a couple times he crossed the ball, but then there were other times where he just like launched it straight to the Japan defenders and it, and the play broke down. So there's just no individual quality for him. So yeah, you're right. Nothing inspiring from the outside backs. One of the, one of the other notes I wrote down about Scali is that he always seems surprised by his first touch, meaning that like (laughs) like he never, he he never knew where it was going to go. And so like, you know, the first touch happens, then he's like, Oh shit. Like, you know, that's where it went. Kind of like, uh, you know, like those videos that people have done, like those compilation videos of Jossie Zardes, you know, like his, like his first touch, like he takes his first touch and then you see him like have to react to his own first touch. Same yeah, thing. Like he said, su- like he's surprised that where the, where the ball went. Exactly. That you can see it in the body language. You're right. Yeah. No, I, hold on. I'll, I'll give everybody a minute for when it happens. I wrote it down 14th minute. So somewhere in the 14th minute, Scally surprised by his own touch again is what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah. All right. Where are we going from there? What else did you notice? Uh, yeah. I mean, what I explained sort of the tactical setup was more so in the in the first half. I thought in the second half, you know, we continued to drop deeper and deeper and Japan were getting they were the ones being aggressive with their positioning, having their outside backs way up the field, uh, having more numbers in and around our box. And so they were controlling the game very well in our half, you know, circulating the ball quickly. And that that's also one thing that you see in the Japan players. Like when they receive the ball, it's under control quick and they identify very quickly. Uh, if there's anything going forward for them, or if they just reset or continue circulating the ball. So their tempo was much higher than, than ours. And, and in my opinion, like the way that Japan plays, that, sh- that should be the objective for us. That is how we should be trying to play. And we are very capable of it in this country. But, you know, like we talked about the other day, the decisions to, to put us in that direction have to be made. The coaching staff, the player selection. So I thought Japan were a good example of how we should want to play. Um, and yeah, we just dropped off deeper in the second half. Japan were coming further and further into our half, uh, creating more danger. And whenever we won the ball, it's like there there was no flow to any sort of counterattack. Like it, it was a turnover pretty quickly. Uh, play would break down, and Japan has it again, and they're circulating the ball, trying to trying to break us down. So I thought Japan got had a lot more control um, in the second half and. Yeah, basically dominated the game. I can't believe we haven't we haven't already addressed this. We've been we've been on the line for ten minutes, but there was one one big change in the starting lineup for for USA, which was Nogio Reina, and he comes in in the second half. And to me, it didn't look like he was suffering from any sort of injury, or you know there was there was any reason physically that he would have been excluded from the starting lineup. So that just leads me to believe that it was you know something else. Uh, team chemistry, maybe his attitude, maybe Wiki trying to prove a point. But um, what was what was your initial reaction to Gio Reyna being left out of the starting lineup? Yeah, I, I can see how uh, you know people would be stunned, possibly by that move. Um, like I said in in the first conversation we had, I mean, I don't I don't think Gio Reyna is anything special. Uh, you know, he's. He's in a good place at Borussia Dortmund where 
you know, they have a good track record of, of helping players. But what I saw from him in the first the first game, you know, we talked about the one moment where he could have squared the ball to uh, to Pepe and he didn't. He chose to shoot it. And that was a, a big moment in the game. And there were also moments in the first game where uh, I thought that, you know, he could he could have helped his team defend and he sort of pretended to do so, you know, maybe a light jog towards where the ball was, uh, the opponent on the ball, you know, he didn't look fully committed uh, to the collective performance and he's wearing the, he's wearing the captain's armband, you know, he, he's got to be the guy setting the tone for everybody out there and he didn't do so. So my, my, Initial thought was maybe Wiki was unhappy with yeah his attitude in the first game, uh, you know he didn't he didn't perform like a captain. Uh, he was there was a lot of moments where he's just kind of chilling, you know, when the rest of the team is trying to defend. Uh, yeah, so I can see how people would be stunned, but for me, you know, seeing it that way, I can understand why Wiki would do that. It's obviously a big decision, but again, when he came in the game. You noticed that uh, there was no sort of pressing really from him. He dropped off and just was chilling, didn't want to do a lot of running. And, and who knows, that, that could have been instruction, specific instruction from Wiki. Uh, or, yeah, it just could have been him deciding like, yeah, hey, I'm not going to run. I'm just going to chill here and wait for us to win the ball and try to make something happen. But as, as the time kind of went on in the second half, Japan continued to you know, press higher and higher or, or, or possess higher and higher and higher up the field. And U S was forced to, you know, sit back, sit back, sit back. And then to the point where, yeah, it was just, they were bunkering in, in, you know, their own penalty area. And that seemed to change like that, 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 you know, the, the tempo of the game seemed to change when Pepe went out and Reina came in. Pepe loves to press to the point where he's pissed off at his teammates when they don't. Uh, there, were, there was a moment in the first half, uh, maybe early second half, I can't remember, when when Pepe, he's running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and, and, and then he looks over at Jason, who's just standing there chilling, just, you know, uh, not doing anything at all, and he puts his arms up at Jason, like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like what are yeah. you doing? I'm up, I'm up here working my ass off, and and you're just standing there. Go press the outside back when he's going to receive the ball, so they don't have to, or so they don't have these easy outlets anymore. And then you know Pepe's you know subbed off, and 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 then there's no pressure up top, so Japan can just really you know take that possession with their outside backs and and center backs and move that 10, 15 yards up the field. And now all of a sudden it's not in you know their half of the field; it's happening at midfield or in the attacking half, which is a major difference. Yeah, you you could see once Reina came into the game, the Japanese center backs they were advancing pretty pretty far into our own half under no pressure at all. And and, and outside backs too. Outside backs were you know they were able to play higher up the field as well, which is very very dangerous. Um, I I I would consider us lucky that. Japan didn't capitalize on, on, on their ability to, you know, possess in our attacking or in their attacking half, our defensive half, because usually if you give a team that much, that much time in the attacking air in their attacking half, you know, something's bound, something bad's bound to happen. So I, I feel like we kind of escaped somehow, uh, very lucky. Yeah. hundred percent. Looking at it, you, you would feel that that's a good result for us because, 
yeah the the overall outlook of the game like it, the the feel was that Japan was going to score especially in that second half so to get out of there with a point is it's a positive thing for for us and it still gives us a chance to move on to the to the knockout rounds and and there's two ways to look at it right Joey like there there's obviously something to be happy about right like we got a point but at what point do we stop celebrating ties and do we stop celebrating mediocre performances? Like that's kind of like where I've been for, for a while. And I, and, and I think other people are starting to get there too. Like even when we, when, when the senior team wins, but it's kind of like an unconvincing win, it's like, how do you celebrate that? And then especially if, yeah. it's, a, if it's a tie and even more so if it's a loss, but it, it's like, you know, when, when do we stop celebrating these, these types of performances, like not yeah. re- results aside, like, you know, the type of performance that we had, uh, was lucky. Like Japan, Japan were the aggressors in that game. U.S. was not. We bunkered. We we sat back. The, as the game went on, we lost control of it, and we were forced to defend. And then and then you know hope everything or put all of our our eggs in the in the counterattack basket. And you know at what point do we stop celebrating that? Yeah, it, you're right. And I probably should have worded that differently. Japan clearly superior, and yeah, the feeling of the game was is they they should have won. So yeah, it depends how you look on it, look at it. You know, obviously the way that the game was getting a point, it's like, oh, all right, thank God we got out of there with a point. But yeah, overall, you know, big picture, you and I agree that here in the US, we we should be the aggressors. We should be the ones taking the game to the opponent. You know, we should be pushing things and, and trying to score goals and and we're just not doing that. We're not doing that. So much has to get better. And yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people uh, try to see the positives in everything that's going on with our national team program. Uh, and the way that I see it is, yeah, we, we need criticism. Ultimately, we get better when, when we, all, we all demand better. We demand better of the national team and we're pushing and, you know, we're, we're setting a higher standard for the culture. Uh, yeah, so... I, I probably worded that the wrong way. It, it was like, yeah, th- oof, thank God we got out of there with a point. We we still somehow have a chance. <laughs> um, yeah, and and you know, to a certain extent, like in in a, in a tournament, it's the World Cup. Uh, you know, you're looking for you're looking for results. Um, you know, a point is a is a big deal, but I think uh, it's probably more important to look for trends uh, against you know dominant nations and Japan. You know, at the youth level, especially is 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 pretty dominant and you know they they're asian champions and um you know th- their performances on the men's and women's side in in recent times have been pretty impressive so you know uh but what what are what are the trends of of the american programs and and you know these kind of just uninspiring performances seem to be the trend whether whether we're getting results or not and so i think that we need to start working towards getting results with inspiring performances and that is not the case right now in the men's national team program or youth national team program, in my opinion. Yeah, we still we still lack an identity. And for me, the way that the team is set up, um, it, it leads me to believe that Wiki possibly lacks confidence in this group of players. Uh, you know, they they were showing that they were fearful or, or the way that the team played, it seemed like Wiki was fearful of Japan. Uh, yeah, J- Japan was superior, but are they like 
super special and I didn't think so. Um, and yeah, the, the way that the game trended, like as the game went on, like dropping deeper and deeper wiki, I don't know. It just seems wiki lacks confidence in these players. Uh, like I said earlier, playing two deeper midfielders as opposed to one holding and two attacking midfielders. Yeah. And that's not, that's not, you know, what America is usually associated with. We, we believe we're the best and we, we, we sort of have an aggressive mentality and that doesn't show in the way that this group is playing on the field. And yeah, for me, we still, we have no idea what the identity is and we're just sort of making it up as we go. So uh, maybe a good example for, for people, if they, if they want to, or if they watched the game, they, they might've noticed this, if they want to go back and rewatch it, they'll, they'll definitely notice it. But the, the way that the wingers played, like you just described was scared. They like they there wasn't moments where the wingers got the ball and tried to take on defenders. There there weren't moments where the wingers were were creating you know uh, anything really dangerous. Um, there there weren't uh, there weren't you know wing play was was pretty terrible to begin with. But um, but yeah, the the wingers played scared. They got the ball and then their really their most consistent decision was to just play the ball back to their outside backs and then that was it you know that that that's what the wing play consisted of there was nothing really special happening there and if you want to contrast that with something with another US youth national team program and former youth national team coach uh, i had a great conversation uh, i don't know a few months ago with Sean Securius and how he game planned specifically to isolate uli on one on one side of the on one side of the field and letting designing the designing the game around Uli, designing it so that Uli can take players on one versus one when he got the ball wide. So all these balls that you know that people were playing across to Jason, um, and, and there was like three in a row that went out of bounds because it, you know either the ball was bad or he had a bad first touch, whatever. But when Securis did that with the U16 youth national team a couple years ago when he had Uli, that ball was designed to isolate Uli over there and then let Uli go to work. Like that was the game plan. I didn't see any hint of that. I didn't. I didn't see even a hint of a game plan to begin with, with this, uh, with this group. But I, especially not with wingers. Yeah, man. They 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 seriously lack one v one quality. You know, in in my opinion, your wingers have to be killers. They have to be going at that defender that they're they're matched up against one v one, and more often than not they're producing something after beating the player, whether it be, you know, a cross into the box, a shot, maybe dribbling inside, being him inside and then playmaking for the center forward or an attacking mid. There's absolutely zero of that from what we've seen so far in the two matches from the winger position. They, they just don't have that, that killer quality that you hope to see in wingers. And then, and that is something that, you know, Uli has like, from a very young age, he's been running at defenders, you know, his whole youth career, and he's good at it. He's he's that is his special quality. Yeah, for the most part, I thought um, Dobelair was a you know non-existent. I didn't really he, he wasn't on my radar until the, the very end of the first half, and you know non non-threatening, uninspiring. Jason, same same for him. So. You know, to to think yeah, it, that to think that those players are supposed to be the ones responsible for you know for attacking moves. Yeah, they didn't do much. 
Yeah, you, you can see like when when they're playing. Okay, they don't have the one v one quality. So basically, it's gonna take like a like a like a combo or something with their teammate. And again, like we talked about earlier, there's no there's not really overlapping outside backs. Uh, Busio is the only attacking mid. Like he's got to cover a lot of ground to come in. You know be in a position for a combo with the wingers so it, it it just was never there you know they can never do that and without that 1v1 quality and without you know the positioning to effectively combine past japan's back line yeah that's why we saw pretty much what we saw in the senegal game like zero chances quality chances created yeah and and Japan, to their credit, are a really really great team. Uh, I wrote down you know, multiple times that you know multiple players use like this little body fake or like this shoulder dip to to deceive the defender. And you know it's not just uh, it, it's not just their attacking players that are using that. It's like their center backs, they're holding mid. It's like you know, all the all these guys are just you know so technically proficient and just aware and and all and they're all on the same fucking page too, which is amazing. Um, but but the the note I wrote down multiple times was that little shoulder dip from the from the Japanese players, and it, it just you know it looks smooth. It looks. Uh, badass to be honest and, and I didn't really see that from from anybody on the US which is unfortunate but Japan is a, a really 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 talented team and they're able to to keep possession uh, pretty much anywhere on the field which is very very impressive we are capable of that here in America John you and I both know it we're capable of that we just damn dude we just need the right people you know running the show and bringing in the players we are capable of doing of playing that way no oh, I, I i believe it i believe it and and you've seen hints of it right you've seen like little little flashes of it with with tabs teams um with with Securus's teams um you know you've seen like little bits and pieces of of what it can be like if the right players are called in and then they're if the right players are called in and played in the right positions, I guess is another like, you know, asterisk that you have to put next to that too. Cause like, okay, yeah, cool. You called in Kobe, you're starting Kobe at the wrong position. So, um, you know, it, it's, it can't just be, you, you can't just be satisfied with calling certain players. You have to call players, play them in the right positions, have the right game plan, uh, have, have the right style of play, set the entire team up properly uh, and then see where the chips fall, but you know we're we're only hitting maybe like one or two out of you know ten points that that are important. Here's an interesting comparison. The way that we played against Japan yesterday seemed like okay, we were fearful of them, and you compare that to Tab's U20s against France. On paper, France. We're an 800-pound gorilla. And the way that Tab set the team up wasn't to, like, bunker and sit back and, you know, wait for them to lose the ball and try to counter. Like, Tab had them being aggressive and, and trying to match up with them, you know, on equal footing, going at them, putting them under pressure, nonstop the whole game. And for me, I think that's, that's more... Uh, it, it more so resembles you know, who we are in this country as Americans, as opposed to the way that 
wiki set the team up to play yesterday uh yeah i i would much rather prefer sort of the way that that tab set the team up to play against france as opposed to the way that wiki set the team up to play against japan yesterday yeah um i i haven't i haven't seen any real inspiring performances from the u17 team to to kind of just solidify that wiki has a style I haven't seen like like any any consistency in in pretty much any area other than the center backs being able to just kind of keep possession be, amongst themselves um, to you know to say that Wiki has an identity or or anything like that and again it's uninspiring that's I I keep coming back to that word man so it sucks yeah I agree man um i'm writing down i'm writing down some other notes right now uh, i'm curious any uh any positive thoughts from you i know people always bag on me because i'm always so negative and i realize <laughs> i realize we we we're pretty much highlighting a lot of negative negative things but there were there weren't very many positives in this game for for the united states japan had a ton of positives and and a you know, a lot of unlucky, uh, unlucky breaks probably to not score, but it's not like, you know, the USA had a bunch of like chances or created a bunch of chances. It's, we didn't really do much. So what, yeah. what are the, what are the positives? <laughs> what are some, what are some takeaways? Yeah. I, I think it's okay, man. I think, I think it's okay if we don't take any positives away. I mean, uh, Across the American soccer landscape, there's been a lot of frustration, uh, stemming more so, I'd say, from the the senior national team. But, I mean, it's clear. It's obvious. Like, people can tell that it's not good. And when it's not good, like we sort of talked about earlier, let's not try to dig and, like, try so hard to find positives so that we just – so that we're able to say, like, oh, you know, we're not – Let's not be negative, guys. Let's be positive. Like, listen, if it's bad, it's bad. And then we need to try to demand better. You know, that that's part of the process, I think, from the general public is, yeah, it's it's okay to criticize, you know, and we we need that. We need that if we're going to move forward. And for me, watching that game. Uh, you know, I th- I thought the best player again was Kobe, but he's extremely you know shackled playing center back again. Uh, I thought Adam Saldana played okay, but you know again I thought the way that the midfield was positioned against Japan's midfield, like they really couldn't do any damage. So I'm I think you know there's a, there's a couple players there who. I think are good players, but we need the program. We need the coaching staff to get the best out of them. I know I tweeted, I tweeted out a little bit ago too. And this is something that I've talked about with you and, and I talked about with, with Gary as well. It's like, what's the, what's the purpose of the national team program? If you're going to be playing your, your best players in, in their unnatural positions and Kobe, Kobe being the example there, it's like, what's the point of the national team program? If your best uh, left back prospect is playing center back, what are you grooming him for? And Kobe Jones even made some some comments during the during the game, saying that Japan has a a style um, 
or an, an identity throughout all of their levels where they can just drag and drop players across levels because they've been groomed properly for their position, for their role. Like their outside back at U17s is now going to be able to be dragged and dropped into the next level because he's been groomed properly for it. But you know, what's the next, what, what's going to be the next step for Kobe in the national team program if he's now being played at center back at U17s? He's going to have to, you know, change something again when he moves to U20s and again at U23s and again at senior level. He should be being groomed at, at, at left back from this moment forward. It, it seems really, uh, really ridiculous. And, and that goes for other players too, right? Like I think, um, um, the first game against Senegal, our two center backs were not center backs. The, the, uh, Tavon Gray is, uh, what, uh, outside back for his club and, or a holding mid for his club. And, and then you have him playing in unnatural position. So what's the point of the national team, of the youth national team program, if you're not grooming your players for their best positions, their natural positions? Yeah, man. It, we talked about it. The, the Kobe thing, it's, it's a complete waste. <laughs> no, it is. It is. And, and, you know, what, what would happen if, if, uh, if Wiki decided to play Gio Reyna at holding mid, like that's the equivalent, right? Like you're, you're, you're taking an attacking player and you're putting him in an, an incredibly defensive role. What, 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 like, is that, is that benefiting Gio? Is that benefiting the team at all? No, it's not. So what's the point of putting Kobe at, at center back? Right. It's yeah. Hurt. No. The, the the way that it should be is, you know, the entire program should be looked at as a process to groom players for the the senior national team, and yeah, the, that specific example, the the glaring example of Kobe playing center back, it's like you're not doing that. You're not grooming this this guy for the position that he'll ultimately play with the the senior national team. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's correct for everyone to question what are we doing here what what is the what is the reason for this this is this makes no sense i hate that taylor twelman has that quote like on on his resume because it's like what are we doing is it's such a you know it's such a relevant it's such a relevant quote at, on, on so many different levels but every time i hear it i think of that guy <laughs> don't get me started on that i know i know um what else, man? What else? What else do we need to cover about this game? Yeah, so I have more. I have more notes, the, but yeah, one of the thing that I was thinking about was, you know, we the way that the game is covered here, we we look a lot at the the physical aspects of the game, and in this game against Japan, you know, that excuse wasn't there. Japan, Japan is not a physical superior team to us. Uh, they were more so um, across the field, very technically proficient, very clean, very smooth on the ball. Uh, their tempo was good. Their decision-making was good, which allowed them to have a good flow as a group with, in possession going forward. You know, even defensively, you know, they, they looked organized. I don't think it was very difficult to stay organized against the way that we were playing, but you know, they did, they were a collective, a well-organized collective group, uh, as opposed to us just disjointed, no rhythm. And it, and it goes to show you like the physicality part of the game, it, it matters little, 
You know, if the if the team is a good collective group and tactically organized and well orchestrated, uh, you can neutralize the physical strengths of the opponent. You know, so for me, we we have to get away from always looking at uh, the athleticism part of the game, um, the ability to cover ground, as people like to say, pace, strength, aerial ability. Uh, in this game, we we saw somewhat of a clinic from the Japanese players. Of yeah, the you could the priority for them is not the athleticism; it's more so technically proficient, good understanding of how they want to play as a team, and their decision making allowed them to do that. So, I think it was a good lesson for for people to see that the physical part of the game should not be the focus. Yeah, and and at a certain at a certain level, when you reach a certain level of of technical superiority, that really that that neutralizes any type of physical advantage. And if anybody's looking for like a, a more recent uh, top level example, I guess you know Spain from two thousand eight to two thousand twelve when they were completely dominant with little midgets, uh, you know Xavi and Iniesta and and the rest of their their you know tiny ass little players. Um, but the, those guys were, were technical geniuses, um, tactical geniuses as well. And that's, you know, uh, to a certain extent, that's kind of what Japan displayed yesterday against us is that, you know, because they're so technically superior or proficient, uh, and they also have the right tactical ideas and understandings and, and, and just, you know, thoughts about what is happening now and what should happen next. They were able to just to neutralize a player like, you know, Scally, Scally's physicality was, was pretty much irrelevant. Um, and, and that's probably above anything else. Scally's biggest, uh, strength is, is, you know, his size and his physicality. And that was pretty much a, a zero factor yesterday. Um, and I realize I'm saying that about a zero, zero game, we're talking about like Japan, like they won 10 to zero, but, um, but really I go back to thinking Japan is unlucky to not get one goal in that game and, and get out of there with the win. And we are very lucky to get out of there with a zero, zero tie. Yeah. Another example is the current Manchester city team. You look at, exactly. you look at their players. They've got David Silva, they've got Ilkay Gundogan, they got Riyad Mahrez, Raheem Sterling, Kunaguero. Mid- like these guys are small. And, and, you know, traditionally the premier league is known as fast paced, very physical. And look at what Pep has done with those players. You know, we, in the Premier League, like they've they've completely dominated. So, yeah, we we focus far too much here in this country on the physical aspects of the game. That's not what football is about, um, you know. And, and I think until we start valuing, uh, you know, technical quality and coaches who are are very good at setting their teams up tactically to play how, you know, we should want to play as Americans, which is possession style, be the aggressor in the opponent's half, creating chances nonstop. Like that is what we have to want. We got to, the discussion is always, Oh, he has pace and Oh, he wins 50 fifties or he doesn't win 50 fifties or he covers ground. Like that is for me, we sh- that should not be the discussion. We gotta we gotta be looking at the the technical parts, the tactical parts. 
And one of the one of the funniest uh, themes that Gary that Gary's continued for years and years and years with his tweets is anytime he sees like a picture of uh, like you know Sesk Fabregas with his shirt off at the beach with his wife or whatever he'll he'll retweet it saying oh look at this look at this physical specimen right here and, and <laughs> Sesk is just like this little skinny you know dorky dude and same with Iniesta but like anytime like those pictures come up like locker room pictures of, of Busquets kind of like flexing in the locker room it's like yeah the guys the <laughs> the guy's a string bean dude and and we look at the u.s roster still you know to this day and it's like they're they're choosing the wrong the wrong type of players for the wrong reasons yeah, we, we look at kobe and we look how he handles the ball like for me he he looks like an artist with the ball at his feet you know he's very smart technically very good his passing range is good the the passes that he plays into his teammates, we saw it more so in the Senegal game. Very well weighted, you know, right where right where his teammate needs it, you know, to the proper foot. Uh, it's almost like Kobe is speaking to his teammate just through the pass that he's playing him, not with his words, but he's an artist with the ball. And you know, these physical, athletic type of players, they don't possess that. So if the goal here is to play possession soccer. We need the players who are artists with the ball at their feet. And, you know, we saw it in the game yesterday. For, for me, like we talked about Scali technically is, oof, he's not, he is not very good. Bello was another one, not very good. Carrera, uh, the other center back, him as well, technically not very good. So the, I just named three out of the four in the back line, technically, in my opinion, are not good enough for this level. So if you're trying to play possession soccer, you're already setting yourself up to fail with with that player selection alone. Yeah, I highlighted another moment from Bello when he when he received the ball, no pressure on him. The 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 Japan forward or J- Japan center back just launched a ball forward, and the Japan center forward wasn't applying any type of pressure to Bello, and Bello just trying to receive the ball out of the air with his left foot takes the ball towards the sideline and kind of backwards and the ball travels like eight to 10 yards out of bounds you know off of off of bella's first touch <laughs> i'm like what the fuck are you kidding me and and then you know to to an even uh uh deeper point like this is this is something that people might not recognize it's not as clear um but bello there was a moment in the first half when you know he had a very easy opportunity to just clear the ball with a big header uh, and 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 just uh, get the ball away from any type of danger. All you had to do is just hit 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 the ball up. And instead, with his header to clear the ball, he hit the ball down, and it went right to a Japanese player's feet. And it forced I I think it was Saldana to have to foul the guy right there like at midfield. And then you know Japan gets a a a, an, a free kick right at midfield. But Be- Bello like not even the the technique to just pop the ball up. And and give his players enough time to just retreat defensively. It's like no, he put everybody at risk by playing the ball down, heading the ball down right to a Japanese player. I saw that and I was like, what are you doing, dude? And and so you know that's that's an example that maybe a lot of people won't won't pick up on. And if you watch a player like Kobe, um, you'll you'll notice that he's like when when it when it's the right time to clear the ball with a header the guy like he's like a springboard uh you know he, he you'll see his knees bend and he'll just launch and just put the ball 20 yards up in the air and and you know everything's safe everything's fine and and Kobe's not this big huge physical specimen either he's little he might even be smaller than Bello 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how tall both those guys are, but you know, he, he's a, he's a little guy. So for him to be making those types of plays at center back is pretty remarkable too. But you know, just, just having, but having the smarts, having the awareness to like, this is the right moment to do that is, is very, very important. And then under appreciated, I, I believe as well. Yeah. I think you said it, man. Bello technically not good. And his, his game understanding and, and thoughtfulness isn't good either. And this is, this is the player that we have in the U17 national team. And, com- and completely hyped, overhyped uh, by so many players. It's like so many people are like foaming at the mouth waiting for this kid to, to play. And it's okay, he's playing. <laughs> here, here, here you are. <laughs> so it's just, I, I, don't, I don't understand what people are, are raging about. I mean, um, that whole, it's, it's, isn't it weird? And this isn't something that, that, that we have notes on, I don't think, but, um, the whole, that whole Atlanta contingent of players that were involved a couple of years ago, what happened to those guys? Carlton, uh, what was the other guy? Um, there was in the, the, he was like a center midfielder. He looked like a freaking football running back. I can't remember his name. But Bello, it's like the, the, all these guys. They were yeah. so they were so hyped coming out of Atlanta's academy, and then nothing, nothing. Special. Yeah, I, I I see it as two things. I I feel like the media wants so badly to uh, one up everybody and yep. be the guy to be the guy who first said that this player was going to become something. Yep. Then I I think the general soccer public, you know, they want so badly to to have that player that you know excites them and and is someone who is uh you know compared to the best players in the world they they want that so badly that they get over emotional and i think those two things lead to the overhyping i think we gotta calm down and try to look at things realistically and and really dive deep into what these players are doing and and you know study them don't just go by what the media are saying, like watch them, watch multiple games and see what their patterns are as a player. Uh, we got to, we got to quit reacting so emotionally to everything. And, and I think, I think our media have to be held accountable uh, for, you know, the hype, the hyping of these players. No, the, the accountability part is interesting to me because you can't hold people accountable in the media. Like we should be able to, I definitely agree, but, um, you know, it's very hard. That's why people can make these wild ass predictions and, and say these, you know, things out of nowhere. Um, example given, uh, Alexi Lawless claiming that USA is going to beat Argentina, you know, in the, what, what was that? Um, what cup was that a couple of years ago when they played in San Francisco? I can't remember the, the competition. Copa America. Copa America. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can say wild ass things like that as like hot takes and people enjoy it. Uh, you know, fan, fans seem to like enjoy that type of uh, 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 controversial type take, I remember, and, and and it's stupid. You can't hold them accountable, and they're able to make these wild ass uh, claims with yeah, no accountability. There's no end in sight to that. I think it. I think it goes back to something that we say all the time, John. Be careful who you're learning from. Oh, one one thousand <laughs> percent. I I think that's what it comes down to. People have to recognize, like, oh, what is this guy talking about? This guy's just 
vomiting diarrhea out of his mouth. Matt and, Doyle, and Matt make, Doyle saying Tavon Gray was the best player on the field the other day. Wild yeah. ass claim. What? Yeah, people people need to identify like the, okay, these are not sources that I should be learning from. Um, when I'm forming my my opinion of what's going on in the soccer landscape in this country. Yeah, no, 100%. Damn, there was one more thing that, that popped into my head as you were talking, and I wanted to address it. Fuck, now I forget it. Oh, oh well. Um, any uh, any thoughts leading into the, the Netherlands game? You never know what, what can happen. You know, <laughs> Netherlands, yeah, Netherlands haven't had very good performances either like who knows but i think like we talked about if if we somehow move on i think we need to uh not get over emotional and still evaluate things realistically and continue to demand better you know that if we're gonna move forward as a as a soccer nation you know obviously as spectators and, and supporters we uh we don't have a lot of say so, but I think just people speaking up and and becoming more educated on uh, you know what we should be doing is important. Every everything matters, and it's it's important that we continue to move forward as a as a soccer public instead of you know yay we made it to the next round guys this is great fantastic you know we gotta we gotta be realistic. Oh, that's a good that's a good point, people. Uh... I know people were were very high on U.S. soccer when when in 2009 USA beat Spain in the Confederations Cup, thinking, "Oh my gosh, what a monumental result!" And then, you know, what ultimately came from that? Not a, not a ton of progress. So yeah, anything can happen in one game. You have to you have to evaluate based on the body of work. Yep. And trends. Oh, that's what I was going to mention. Trends. So you mentioned patterns and, and patterns in in uh, in 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 a player's game right and so uh or a team a team's game and so in the first game we saw Gio Reyna make that decision to take a shot instead of making the the square pass to Pepe right in the second half against Japan Reyna had another moment coming from the left side where he again had to make a decision. Am I going to pass? Am I going to continue to dribble? Am I going to make a shot? And and he ultimately decided to, I think, cut a ball back from his left foot to, to try to play it or try to get it on his right foot and lost possession of the ball in an area where you're probably expecting some type of a shot or a ball across the front of the goal. And I can't remember what the congestion looked like right in front of the goal. So it might that might not be uh, uh, you know as similar of an example um as the as the square ball to Pepe but uh, another opportunity right there for for Gio Reyna to kind of you know show some type of quality or decision making near the goal and it ultimately ended in a in a turnover which um you know so if you if we're looking for trends right so it's okay there's there's two marks in two games there's two marks that this player didn't make a good decision or wasn't able to execute a, a decision right in front of the goal so yeah, Gio Reyna, obviously he's been hyped a lot. Um, I remember seeing him two years ago at the DA playoffs, yep. and this was right about when he was starting to get hyped up by the media. And I, was I, watched there, I was there with you, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I think it was you, me, and Gary. We're standing on the sideline, we're watching the player. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember thinking to myself, like, what is the big deal about this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, like, 
technically he just looks like any other player really and the decision making like gary always says a, a good way to evaluate a player's decision making is you know how often are they turning the ball over you know the, when you're playing in a possession team uh the priority is to make sure you have the ball you know obviously the player has to weigh what sort of risk to take in the moment but if a player is always consistently losing the ball then their decision making is poor and if we want to play possession soccer we need players on the field who are good decision makers yep and uh i think a lot of people are enamored with his his uh ability to appear casual while he's kind of like dribbling and taking players on and against American development Academy level players, it worked. And you know, it, 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 it looked okay probably uh, to a lot of people, but I think that, but he, he's like this casual kind of guy, right? Like the way when he's dribbling, he, it just looks like he's like, I don't know the right way to describe it. Like effortless isn't the right word. Because effortless is a, it would make it sound positive. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be ultra negative, but I'm also not trying to be positive about this. Um, it's just like he, he kind of just yeah, just uh, maybe effortless is 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 an okay word, but casualness probably is is a better way to describe it. And and I remember in that in that tournament, yeah, he was able to kind of cruise by a couple like you know development academy level uh, center mids. Okay, cool. Um, but as the as the level gets higher and higher and higher, he's, I haven't seen him be able to do that. And and I don't know, it's kind of just, yeah, just a thought, I guess, at this point. From his time here playing in the U.S. with New York City, uh, I think his physical superiority created an illusion of him having, you know, big time potential and a lot of quality, uh, but. It, it, it was exactly that. It was an illusion. And when he's matched up, you know, against Japan, a very collective group, his physical superiority didn't do anything really. Um, and yeah, so that's why I think it's important to look at the going back to the, the technical and tactical part. And for him, Borussia Dortmund, excellent excellent move where he's the low man on the totem pole right and then he has to adapt to their their culture and their identity on the field and i don't know maybe maybe here with the u.s and during his time in new york city maybe he he thinks that hey i'm the man here you know he's he's the big dog in the team and maybe maybe that affects his his attitude a little bit so going to bruce Dortmund could be a very positive thing and, and could ultimately uh you know, speed up his development process as a player into a more um, fine-tuned, you know, team sort of player where he's he's executing what needs to happen within the team system as opposed to thinking, oh, I'm the man, you know, I'm just going to kind of do whatever. It's a positive thing. I will say it's a positive thing that he, he's in Germany and Borussia Dortmund, but he, guys, we got to be realistic. There's a lot of work that has to be done for him. I must have touched something in a... And lost you, but I got you back. Okay, I got most of your uh, <laughs> your your talking though. I was I saw that you were continuing to go, so I was like, I could see the audio waves and it recorded. So I was like, oh, I'm just gonna let him keep going, and then I'll tell him, I'll tell my I i can not hear him in a second. So <laughs> I'll, I'll go back and listen to what you just said. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I I, I guess uh, 
maybe a good place to try to wrap it up. We've, we've been on the phone for an hour. So, um, any, uh, any final thoughts? No, we'll, we'll see what happens in, in the final game against the Netherlands. All right. Um, just a reminder, people, if you uh, enjoy listening to this, uh, if you feel like we, we hit on some good points or if you feel like we maybe missed a couple things or if you want to continue the discussion, uh, feel free to hit us up in the comment section uh, on 343coaching.com. You can find this episode in, in the latest episode that will be titled something along the lines of, you know, tie with Japan. Um, or you can hit us hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm at that Croatian guy, and Joey's is at Casio underscore FG. Is that right? That's right. Casio C A S C I O underscore F G. Um, and once again, I'm at that Croatian guy. So feel free to to join the conversation or start a conversation with us about something that you're passionate about, about these uh, youth national team games, or eventually the the senior national team when we're covering those. But um, so far, dude, two episodes like this. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm having fun with these. No. Yeah. Me too, man. Me too. Let's keep it going. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, uh, let's connect again soon. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. If you are interested in accelerating your development as a coach and learning more about possession-based soccer, you can visit 343coaching.com and sign up for our premium coaching membership program. That is where you will get access to video, audio, and ebook lessons that will help you reduce your trial and error time by showing you the methods that have been proven to work in the American soccer environment. So once again, if you are an ambitious coach and you want to start learning the tried and true methods that have already been proven to work in the American soccer environment, you can visit 343coaching.com to learn more about our coaching programs. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast, and we will catch you next time. Next time.